0: Thank you, Tammy, Beth, and the whole entourage that are going out there to work, right? Hey, look, is are, are y'all all just trying to beg out of the sermon this morning? Is that what y'all are doing? Is there anybody else who wants to get up and go back? Okay, so <laughs> you get no lunch if you do that. All right, if you've turned in your Bibles to John chapter 17, we're going to talk about this morning as we're going on with the gospel, the good news, all right? So as we're looking at the good news in the gospel today, we're going to look at the identity of who we are in Christ and what Christ has to say about us. So um, honestly, this is the Lord's Prayer. So we look at the passage that we have in Matthew and chapter 6, and we call that the Lord's Prayer. Really what that is, is that's Christ showing us how to pray. In John chapter 17, what we have here is Christ's prayer for us. And so as we break this down today, I want us to see the sections of how this works. So as we're going through and we're looking at the gospel this year, and as we're studying through what that really means for us, we're going to look at it in three major sections. We're going to look at it in the sections that we talk about today in this prayer. So as as we break this prayer down... And as we study what Christ has to say about us, really understand that this is how the gospel works in our lives, okay? So the first thing I want us to see is found in John chapter 17. We'll be looking at verses 3 through 5. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorify you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given to me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. All right, the first thing I want us to look at is creation. This is what he's talking about right here. So the first part or the first portion of the gospel is creation. This is the work of God. God was all over and, and even Christ and, and in this in this uh, scripture right here and numerous times he tells us even in this prayers he's given right here. I was a part of this. Okay, if you look in Genesis, it says that uh, that creation, all aspects of creation, Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father were all involved as as a part of creation. Let this let us make them in our image. It's a plural. It's not a singular. There. Okay, and so this work that's going on, that the things that transpired as a part of creation, were all an aspect of God in the Trinity working together: God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, so that that this might be accomplished. And so as Christ is praying right here, he is speaking to this. He is speaking to the work of God. Creation is God's work. You know, we live in a culture today where we think that we can make stuff. We cannot create. We can take the things that have been created and with our minds recreate or form something that is new. But we don't create life. Even with all the gene stuff that we have right now, we don't create life. All we do is reproduce that which has already been created. Now, I want you to think about that. Everything that humanity does is a recreation of God's work. So the supplies that we've been given from heaven, whether that be the minerals that are in the ground or the uh, the things that we can take and make and mold and shape into something else, we create with that. We take the products and the things that God has given us and we reform it and reshape it into something. And we call it our own, but we have not truly created. Scripture says that there is nothing new under the sun. So everything that we need, everything that we should have to do what we need to do has been given to us by God. God created even in the theories that we have of how creation took place or the Big Bang theory of evolution, they don't know how it started. They can take us right up to the milliseconds and moments before it started, but they don't know how it's done. Why? Because there was a creator to create it. And so no matter what they want to do of how they rationalize or try to come to some realization of what took place, they didn't create there is something that created, that is God. So God's work is where we need to, uh, to begin with the gospel. So as we study the gospel and as we look, we need to see what God is doing. We're going to look at the seven I am statements that are in the book of John as we go through later on in the spring. And as we're looking at each one of those, it is a part of the work of God. These are things that God does as he works and brings out these other aspects that we look at in just a few moments to bring to fruition the, the totalness or the totality of the gospel in our lives. You can't take it piece by piece and part by part. You have to take it at it as a whole. So as Christ is praying here, look what he says. He says he, he's mentioned God, and then he's mentioned Jesus Christ if you have sent. And I glorify you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. So what is this about? What is Christ saying right here? Christ is saying that I came to die on the cross, be buried in resurrection as a part of what? As a part of the work of God to bring about the redemption of that which he has already created. There is sin in this world. Sin is a mess. Sin is a total mess. We don't understand the depths of sin until we see the fullness of sin. And sometimes even in our own lives, the fullness of our sin is not complete. Meaning this, meaning that we can do things in our lives that, what, reverberate throughout history or the future throughout our children, our families, families, all of those different things. Things that we do, the actions that we take can have uh, consequences, not only upon our generation, but the generations that go after. And so we need to understand that we don't even see or comprehend the totality of the problems that we can cause. But we can see and can not comprehend, but can see the, the totality of the work of God in creation. And so all that he has given us, all that he has blessed us with, all that has been produced by him or created by him, that is his work. Christ is a part of that. Christ is saying that and when I came, I am fulfilling that which the work which you have given me to do. Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. In other words, we knew this from the beginning. I, have, I am fulfilling my work. Guess what he's doing here as he begins this prayer? As he has fulfilled his work and as he gets prepared to ascend back into heaven, where does the work now re, uh? rely upon where where's the work now to be done with us the work now is to be done with us And so we're going to get to that in in just a few seconds as he goes through this prayer. But you need to understand and see that God, all three, the Trinity created. So there was work to be done. They did this work. They had jobs to do. Christ came as a part of that so that he might die on the cross, be resurrected, ascend back into heaven so that he can fulfill what the plan was or the work that God had for him to do. Now that work is falling unto us. So the gospel, the good news that we have, is not finished. The work has been completed. The majority of the work has been completed. There is still work left to be done, and that work is to be done by you and I. So this is a part of who we are. This is a part of our identity, is that we have work to do, that, that Christ— it all didn't end with the ascension into heaven we are the church we are the embodiment of the body of christ and so because of that there are things left here for us to do your life has meaning your life has meaning and purpose because there is work for you to do and i don't know how that comes to you if you have children it's so that you can teach your children if you have grandchildren then it's so that you can teach your children to help teach your grandchildren and continue to pass that on. If it's work as a job, you've been placed there by God so that you might serve Him as a light in that place. If it's a, as a service, a lot of you may be retired from your physical jobs, which you did, but you still serve, serve the Lord in different places and different aspects. As a servant, we are examples of Christ. As a part of the body of Christ, we're here to lift each other up as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so there are things that we need to do to help to understand that our job, our work, is never complete until there is no breath in us. All right? So, first thing that we see here through this prayer is God's creation and His work. The second thing that we're going to see is John chapter 17. We're going to skip down and look at verses 14 through 17. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. So, if we've been created and we've been given a job to do, how do we do that job? We do that job through God's Word. We don't do that through our own power. We don't do that through our own ideas of how we think this should go and what our lives should look like. It's not that we, and we've talked about this plenty of times before, that we sit here and we give our life to God. We've got heaven in hand, and we can go live like however we want to. That's not what this is. God does not bless our mess. God created in us life. And through that creation of life in us, he's given us a job to do, a purpose to do, a work to do. And we're to do that because it's what he's laid out for us. We've been studying um, the life of Jacob in, in Sunday school. and It's really neat, neat to see how the promise of Abraham and the promise of Isaac and then the promise comes to Jacob. And God just keeps giving them piece by piece by piece. But this is generation after generation after generation of God's promise. The Old Testament is that. It's the picture of generation after generation after generation how God fulfilled his promises to his people. Christ is a part of that. He's just said, I came. In the fullness of time, Christ came so that he might fulfill the promises of God, the work that God had for him. You and I were created for such a time as this to live. Why weren't we created at a different time? Some of you may think that you're out of time. Some of you think, well, I'm behind the times. Some of you think, well, I'm ahead of my day. I know more than the rest of these people, all right? And so we may think that we are out of time. We're not out of time. For those of you who feel like that you're behind the times, you are a picture of what we need to remember so that we can make sure that we keep the balance in our life. For those of you who think that you are ahead of your times, that you think outside the box and nobody else does, You need to realize that this is probably where the future is going, and you need to help people bring people to that. I can remember when I was on staff at Mars Hill back in the day. When I was on staff back at Mars Hill in the day, I had all these ideas. I was a staff person. I was throwing out stuff left and right. And the deal was is that I eventually left. Most of the stuff that I thought of, they never did while I was there. But I went back a few years later, and they said, look at this, Tim. And I was like, I thought of that five, six years ago. I thought of that. You know, they're, they're doing the stuff I was thinking of all back in the They did. It was a fulfill, fulfillment of ideas and thoughts. It was not the right time. And so we're all a part of that progression. There are folks who are leading forward. There are folks who are there to remind and continue. And there are fo- folks who are caught right in it right that day. There are some people that are in this room That live for the moment. And what I mean by that is this, is that you are going along in your life. But I want want you to know this. If we put things out here at Mount Salem, there are people who rise to the occasion in the moment on a moment's notice. If something needs to be done and get done, they get it done. They get it done not a week later. They get it done right then. Why? Because they meet the need of the moment at the hour at hand. God has placed us all together for that. Why? So that we can totally, as a body of Christ, fulfill his purpose. There is work to be done, and it comes through his word. That's where we find instruction. How do we know where we need to go directionally? We know where we need to go directionally because it's God's word. What do we need to be about the business of? The Lord says this, Know the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything is wrapped up into this. He gives us a commission. What does that commission tell us to do? Does that commission tell us to go sit on our hands and watch everybody else go to hell? It doesn't say that at all. Is the world a bad place? Yes, it is. What does he say right here in this passage? Don't take them out of the world, but don't let the world in them. Protect them from the evil one. So you got to know this. God's got your back in all of this. So as as there's work to be done, there's a function to how we work. And that function comes through his word. We need to not be anxious, we need to not worry, we need to understand that God's got this. He created all this. We're a part of it. He's got a plan and he's bringing it to fruition. And that function that comes in our life is through the Word of God. So how do we know how to deal with a situation and circumstance? we got a problem with a brother or sister. What does Scripture say to do? Scripture says to go to them. If they won't listen to you, you're supposed to do what? Take another brother with you and go. There's order to how we deal with everything from conflict to how we deal with missionally, what we're supposed to do. We're all supposed to have mission statements as churches. But the reality is we're just going off the same mission and trying to figure out a different way for us to say it that's unique to us. Because the mission's laid out for us where? In Scripture. The mission tells us what to do. Go to where? Go to Hall County? No. Go to Jackson County, them heathens down there across the border. On the other side of 85. The non-promised land. Are we supposed to just go there? No. It says where? To all the nations. In some way, shape, form, or fashion, we're to impact the entirety of the entire world. Why do we give to Lottie Moon? Why do we give to Annie Armstrong Easter offering and, and our Christmas offering? Why do we do that? Because in some way, shape, form, or fashion, that's our little part to impact the world. So we impact the entirety of the world. We send 5,000 missionaries out of our country. We put 5,000 missionaries in the United States and in Canada. We got 10,000 missionaries plus that we impact through those offerings alone. It's our little way to be able to take the gospel to all the places that it needs to go. What are we supposed to do when we get there? Are we just supposed to feed people? No, we're supposed to teach them. We're supposed to baptize them. And what is the baptism the example of? It's the example of that profession, that conversion, that point where we come to know Christ. It is the justification portion of our faith. What does he say here? He says in this section that we're to be sanctified. What is the sanctification process? The sanctification process of our walk is our entire life everybody in here needs to get better everybody in here needs to get better what is in this world lust of the flesh lust of the eye pride of life 1 John chapter 2 look at verses 15 through 17 all that's in the world lust of the flesh lust of the eye pride of life man we think we got it whipped because we, do think, we think we do a really good job with that lust of the flesh and lust of the eye because we can just follow God's Word. But we're talking about this in the Sunday good class this morning. Pride of life eats us alive because I don't care who you are. <laughs> somebody sitting in here thinks they're better looking than somebody else in here. Somebody else in here, you know, thinks that they do a better job of cooking than somebody else in here. We categorize ourselves in so many different ways humility wipes out all of that. If we truly lived as the last shall be first and the first shall be last, if we truly lived as the least of these, if we truly lived as a servant, which is what God's word calls us to, we wouldn't be fighting for the top, we'd be fighting for the bottom. Do you ever see that? (laughs) Let me go last. Let me go last. Let's do that next time that we have. uh, Let's see, when's the next time we eat around here? All right? Wednesday night. Well, Let's let's see how that goes Wednesday night. It's time to eat. Wednesday night supper. I'll go last. I'll go last. I'll go last. Nobody's ever going to get served, right? Well, I can tell you this right now. If we do that Wednesday night, I'll suck it up and take one for the team, and I'll go first. All right? And then y'all can all fall in after that. Guys, we have to understand that this is what the Word of God calls us to. This is the lifestyle He calls us to. This is what our life is supposed to be like. There is fulfillment and fullness in that. But it's very hard for us to see. And I'm going to tell you, even in myself, I get caught up into all of that. And it's hard to see how God is fulfilling and working in your life that way. But that's His work. His work is done through His Word. His word is the fulfillment of what God's plan is for our lives. So get this. There is a plan he created. There's work to be done. And then not only that, but as he brings it about, there's a function to it. The function comes from the word of God in which he teaches us. The last part of this prayer that he's praying for us is this. so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Here's the structure to this. This is the last section. So there's a function to this through this word, but there's a structure. The structure is made complete in unity. I in them, you in me. Do you get this? I'm a part of you. You are a part of me. I am a part of you. You are a part of me. You are a part of you who's a part of you who's a part of you. And back and forth. And so it goes. Our lives are not intersecting here. Our lives are interwoven here. This is not a place where we come just to meet up and shake hands on Sunday morning and greet. Our lives are interwoven. Our purpose is the same. We have the same marching orders from the same place. And no matter what our background is, no matter where we've come from, no matter what our trials and tribulations are that we're going through right now, what, no matter what scars we have from the wounds that we have in the past of our lives, We're a witness. God gives us those things so that we can be a light in a dark world. Some people have walked in places that you haven't walked. How do you reach people who are in drugs and alcohol if you've never been involved in those sometimes? It takes somebody sometimes that way for them to be able to come out of that, be redeemed from that, to be able to go back to that and be someone that someone listens to. So we look at people's lives and we go, well, they got problems. I'm not like that. There's where pride. See, we break this. We break the function when we start looking at ourselves. When we start thinking of ourselves, we break the function. And this is where we are. We're in a me culture. What can Mount Salem do for me? What can insert the name of the church do for me? What ministries do you have that meet my needs? How can I come to that place and have you minister to my family? And we're all doing this. We're all throwing out the red carpet saying, hey, come here, come here, come here. We've got this, we've got this, we've got this. But in reality, we've all got the same thing. If you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, if you believe that He is truly the Son of God, that He is deity, that He is God incarnate, He came, He died for our sins, He ascended into heaven, the power of the Holy Spirit now lives here in us. We have the same things. We're all vying for each other's attention. But the reality for us, the truth for us, is found in God's Word. It's the same Word. If the church today that anybody's going to in this community is reading out of this Bible, the Bible that we're talking about, and they're preaching the same word, we should be doing the same things. But there's no unity. We're looking out for ourselves, which causes discord instead of unity. And so, as everybody goes around individually looking as to how the church can benefit them, the church doesn't benefit anybody. The church doesn't benefit the people that are in it, nor is it a benefit to the community and those who are lost. Why? Because there's discord in the church. We gossip. We fight amongst ourselves. We can't get on the same plane. Pastors want to be CEOs. Deacons want to run the church. There's no function in our polity. There's no function in our unity. And because we're not unified in that, we can't go out and glorify Christ. That's what this says. This says we have one objective. That one objective is to glorify Christ. That one objective is to not make me a great pastor or a great preacher. That one objective is not for this church to be known by its name. It's for this church to be known by his name. And I get so frustrated with this. And we even do this denominationally. We count nickels and noses. We list in all the publications that we put out every year who gave the most money and who baptized the most people. God's mission is greater than that. It is reaching, it is teaching, it is discipling. What about those who sent out the most missionaries? What about the one who went on the most mission trips or the one who went to the furthest places to take the gospel? What about the ones who sacrificed the most through their giving so that the world might be reached with the gospel? Not how much they give, but sacrificially what that meant. We don't recognize any of that. Why? Because it's not worldly and it's not attainable for us to recognize. I don't even know some of the sacrifices that you guys make. I have no idea. But as the body of Christ and the embodiment of what the Word of God is in this world today, that is our job. So look, think about this. This prayer has talked about God's creation, our creation, new creation in Christ Jesus. So we've talked about the fact that at that point we're justified, we're made right with God. He also mentioned in here sanctification, the process of through God's Word, how we come to walk in a closer walk with Him, how we grow in our faith, How we become more like Christ. That's his prayer for us. And then he says the last thing, that we glorify him. That is all aspects of salvation. Every bit of this prayer right here is a salvific prayer for us and for the world. Why? Because we are the ones here in the world. You know, I would wish that we would see the second coming of the Lord we would be caught up in that but I also know this that when that happens it's over and I wonder how much of the opportunity we have missed and just as much as I would love to see the heavens part and the Lord descend part of me is going man I really screwed up I have not done everything that I needed to do I have not allowed God to be that in me and though I would be at that point to be absent from this body to be with the Lord in heaven and I will have fulfilled my salvific obligation duty blessing whatever term you want to use I would have missed chances to share, to love, to pass along hope, to live my faith. That's what we have before us every day. But instead of seeing that, what we look at is obligations, responsibilities, debts, Emotional trauma. Situations and circumstances that take our eyes off of God. Inadequacies. Weaknesses. We focus on all the wrong things. And in doing so, we allow our enemy to win. This is not Christ's prayer for us. This is Christ's prayer for us. That we see his creation see the function of who we are and the structure his witness our identities in Christ our makeup these are inherited traits we'll go through some of these later on we're going to go through some of the things as a new creature in Christ what what are some of the inherited traits that scripture gives us we'll look at all this and it'll help us to see the fullness of the gospel of Christ Salvation is not a moment. Salvation is our everything. It's our mission. It's our life. Salvation is our livelihood. And it's not just for preachers that salvation is our livelihood. Salvation is a livelihood for all of us. Because if all of us are living for Jesus, then we're going to be in the jobs in which he gives us. Doing the things which he's called us to do. We're going to be in the places which he's placed for us to be. Which means we're going to be in the center of his will. Which means there's going to be a fullness in us. And a fulfillment in us. The world may hate us. The world hated him. doesn't mean we're going to get all kinds of accolades and praise and honor, but we will bring glory. His glory. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day again. I thank you for every soul that is in this room. Why? Because this is the heart and the soul of Mount Salem Baptist Church. It is not only this heart and soul of Mount Salem Baptist Church, but it is a light and witness and flowery branch And right now, this morning, there's a part of this light which is in Israel. And right now, this morning, there's a part of this light which is in different places all over the world. Through families that have been a part of this. Through generations of people whose names are on stained glass windows around here now. They've gone on to be with you. But their children, and their children's children, and their children's children's children. Serving you in all kinds of different places. Why? Because they were alike. And we thank you for the 200 years which you've allowed the Word of God to mold and shape people's lives. But help us to realize that that is not over. That in the past few mornings, not just one, not just two, but five, ten kids have gone back here to be in our children's church be in our nursery and they're not back there just twiddling thumbs, they're studying the word of God, they're learning what it means to be a child of the king this week in our congregation we've seen the birth of new life a child to be poured into to be loved we're not done none of us are done Father use us Strengthen us and guide us. These things we pray now in Christ Jesus' name.